You are listening to the Thinking Effect podcast with Osho Green and Lillian Kriegler. Everything starts with a thought. Join the quest to reshape your own and your students' thinking by exploring your usual curriculum in new and exciting ways. In each episode, we share dynamic and practical ways you can ignite thinking in your classroom. You will get used to our three-step formula for approaching our topics. What is it? Why is it important? And how can it be implemented immediately? Hi, Lillian. Hey, Otto. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you. It's great to be back again with a Thinking Effect podcast. Last time we spoke about thinking slow, and today's episode is all about how do we trigger student thinking? That's correct. So I am an education consultant um, with some specialized knowledge in how children think. And um, Otto, why don't you just quickly tell people what you do? Yeah, sure. I am um, a design thinker. I'm an author and a passionate educator. Yes, I forgot to say that I'm an author as well. Um, That's an important part. (laughs) Yeah, together we really want to share our knowledge and expertise, which is quite synchronous with educators all over the globe to try and help them to enhance the thinking that happens in their classroom, but without making it a big deal, giving you some small bites, tiny little bites, which can be applied instantaneously in your um, classrooms. Exactly. We're all about making it easy and simple. So anyone can take the learning from our podcast and implement in the classroom straight away. So... Today, we're going to discuss how do we trigger student thinking. And when we think about thinking, what is thinking? It's basically a question that we formulate in our mind, and then we explore and follow these questions, searching for answers. And it's it's very natural to human. We're actually born very curious. And if you have children or remember how your children were when they were very young, you probably remember that they ask a lot of questions. (laughs) And there is a reason behind it, because they're born into a world and they have to quickly understand how things around them work, how they operate, what they mean. And so children can ask about 100 to 300 questions a day as per research, which is amazing, isn't it, Lillian? That's right. I mean, they really, really are naturally curious. And the thing about the brain is, if those questions aren't happening in your own mind, if you're not active in that thinking yourself, it doesn't have the same impact. So we really want our children to be questioning themselves. And quite often in school these days, you know, all these questions are kind of packaged for children and they, they receive them secondhand. So they ask to consider something or answer something You know, and if that happens all the time, they forget to to use that to engage their curiosity, that very curiosity you're talking about. Exactly. Um, Our education system currently is a very answer-driven system rather than being question-driven system. And we want to flip it and turn it into a question-driven system. And one of the things we need to consider, and this is a shift in the mindset of teachers as well, that 
they kind of shift from being a teacher to being a facilitator of learning. If they enable their students to come up with questions and lead the way, then they're there facilitating the learning and learning with their students instead of teaching them. This is actually very beneficial for teachers because I think it's kind of reduced some of the stress and pressure that you have as a teacher if you think that you always need to be the one with all the knowledge and have to know everything. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's one thing being the sage on the stage, the saying, uh, and then you really have to come ready-made with all the answers, and that is a big pressure. Um, and the minute you are a facilitator, you are stepping back and allowing, you're walking side by side with your student, and you may know all the answers, but you may not. You know, on that journey, you might discover some really remarkable things that you weren't aware of or a perspective that you weren't aware of because you weren't in that sense of waiting um, to hear what students think. And because, I mean, there's one teacher in a classroom but multiple students, so if we are not offering Um, students that ability to bring their questions to the table we're cutting out a lot of opinions and also possibly a lot of um, unique and interesting information absolutely and you know it reminds me because as a mom I have three boys and when they were younger and they were asking lots of questions many of them I didn't even know what the answer is but then we explored together and actually learned together so many things and that was a beautiful experience And the same goes for teachers within a classroom setup. Um, And another thing I want to mention is that when students come up with questions, they actually trigger their intrinsic motivation, their desire to learn. It's coming from within them. And that means they're more engaged and more interested in what's happening in the classroom. And that's a big, uh, it's, it's something that everyone actually wants to achieve. It works well for the students and also well for the teacher. Because when students are engaged, obviously you have less interruption in the class. <laughs> you know what I love about that? They, um, they don't roll their eyes. They'll roll <laughs> up their sleeves. They'll roll up their sleeves and they will, will feel energized. So, you know, the minute children are switched on, so the trigger is like setting them up for that 100-meter sprint, um, getting them ready. And if they're engaged and filled with energy, uh, it just changes the dynamics in the classroom. So we, we want them literally to roll up their thinking sleeves and to get busy and to to work together to understand things better. Absolutely. And there are many easy ways to do so. Uh, if you want to try it in your classroom, let's say you want to teach your students about gravitational force then you can show them a visual, a visual aid such as um, a group of children jumping on a trampoline and ask your student, what question do you have on this picture? And encourage them to come up with as many different questions as possible. You can even challenge them. Tell them, can you come up with 50 different questions about this image? Make it like a fun uh, competition or challenge for your class. And, and then you'll see how your students come up with so many different questions that actually can lead the investigation of gravitational force and you'll trigger their curiosity and their interest in learning more about it without even knowing what it is. That's correct because um, their very first observations 
might just be using all their senses to see what's happening and then to discuss that. But beyond that, you know, so what do I see beyond that is how is this so? Why is this happening? And then they might, you know, your, I love your trampoline example because, you know, there's all this latent energy in the texture of the trampoline fabric. And so they start to think about latent energy, about force, about amplitude. You know, the harder you jump, the more you go up. And if they start thinking about that, they might even draw it in some yeah. way. Um, and they could even, <laughs> you know, maybe at home later on, they get on the trampoline and get a sense of it um, and actually really, really feel it. So I love the idea often of working from the concrete to the abstract. And I think very often educators bring in an abstract idea right from the beginning. In Reggio Emilia, people might know about the philosophy from Northern Italy um, called the Reggio Emilia philosophy. And what they like to do when they start um, a project is to bring in a provocation. So you provoke the thinking and it just broadens it. And exactly what your your image of the children on yeah. the trampoline is a provocation. You start yes. to think, um, how does this all work? Exactly. You know? And I agree with you that if you make it real for them, something that they can understand and relate to, and this is how you kick off a project or a research or whatever a topic you want to uh, facilitate, then that brings them in straight away and capture their attention and curiosity. Another example of simple ways to do it in the classroom, let's say uh, you want to explore, you can explore natural phenomena with your children, show them a photo of the aurora lights or the rainbow eucalyptus. eucalyptus. Did you know, Lilian, that there is a eucalyptus that is trunk look like a rainbow? It's I did amazing. not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. It sounds intriguing. It's so beautiful. So you can show them different photos or even a short video clip uh, like David and Edinburgh short clip on animal interest in behavior and have that as the first visual that you present for your children to start them their curiosity and allow them to start asking questions on that topic. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if children, there's uh, in, in um, the Buzan brothers who uh, really researched the brain were saying that one of the most important things that captures our it is something that is interesting, something that captures your attention. So doing that is really important. And what happens then is the thinking is active. So, you know, Professor Ruben Feuerstein, um, this cognitive psychologist that whose work I've studied, he also says unless things are done by the learner, the information won't be processed or remembered as well. So everything that the children do, everything they initiate, everything they generate themselves, they are going to take it into their long-term memory for a much longer period of time than something that you just say or something they have to imitate or something they have to recall. For sure, for sure. Yeah, because then they have the motivation to learn and they're really truly curious to understand more and curiosity drives learning, as we know. So yeah, it, it, opens works for- more, it opens more possibilities and more points of view, opens the mind um, to new thinking. 
Exactly. And that, yeah, that's what we hope for teachers that they they um, you know try something new, just try a different way of presenting information. Um, I think the minute you know what your topic area is going to be about, you know, say it's about water um, and how it's a life force for the planet, you know, what can you bring into the classroom that's going to make the topic really interesting? And even though you know what you are going to teach, it is so great to just offer a, a, a um, a way that the children can discover some information yes. for themselves. And the joy is when you do that, they're often doing it collaboratively. So even when we're talking about thinking slow <clears throat> last time, we were saying that it's that collaboration with peers that makes the learning just more fun and more varied. Of course. And when you were talking about water, you know, my, the first image that came to my mind is water guns because I used to play what, what I used to play with my boys with water guns all the time. It's so fun. So you can even make it into a playful event, you know, in the schoolyard. Maybe bring some water guns, water bombs, you know, play with water if it's hot enough to do so, and start the topic in a, such a fun way, and that will. Um, that will drive your children' curiosity. And as we said, when they're having fun and playing, they're learning so much more. So it's going to be a great experience for your students and yourself as well. Right. So, I mean, the what of triggering thinking is giving children the opportunity to ask their own questions. The why of that is that it really captures their imagination and their attention and they retain it for longer and the how is to bring some kind of great provocation into the classroom as a starting point. Um, so, yeah, we really hope you're enjoying some of these discussions about, you know, what you can do, kind of like micro elements of your teaching in uh, your own classroom. Yes, and we really want to hear from you. So uh, for all of you amazing teachers, when you try it with your students in your classroom, uh, let us know how it goes. Share with us your experience. Our email is thethinkingeffectpodcast at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you. And yes. I think we have a surprise, something special for one of the teachers, Lilian. <laughs> That's right. Last week we gave away um, Ortel's book, which is called Think Unique. Today... Um, one lucky teacher will get Edu Chameleon. So this is a book specifically written for teachers of students three to nine years of age. But even if you um, are teaching older children, the concepts in here are very applicable. So we look forward to hearing from you. Write to us. Oh, what is the email? Again, the email is thethinkingeffectpodcast at gmail.com. Thank yeah. you. Exactly. We look forward to our next episode, which is going to be about how do we create an environment where students own their learning? So this is going to be our discussion in the next episode, and we look forward to having all of you there as well. Bye.